the best of the week on Relevant Radio. As we open up the Faith Explained mailbag today, I want to remind you that you can email me your question. The address is faith, F-A-I-T-H, at relevantradio.com. And you can also follow me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And you can get your question to me there by sending me a direct message or tagging me on that platform. So this uh, email question comes to me from, guess who? David Crockett, writing from Houston, Texas. That's right, Davy Crockett himself. I'm pretty sure it's not his real name, uh, but he's a big fan of the show and has written in before. And it's actually a great question. He says, hi, Kale. History points to the Romans eating only one meal a day. Would that have been true for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus also? Interesting question. I, I, I was not aware that the Romans subsisted on one meal a day. I'll have to do some, some research on that. Um, that's intriguing. But what about what he's actually asking? What about Jesus? What did Jesus eat in a day? Uh, David Crockett continues with his email. He says, as a fan of uh, the couch potato way of intermittent fasting, mostly daily now, I started looking at where this concept of three square meals a day came from, which then led to my question. How did Jesus and his followers, like the Twelve, eat daily? We need to defeat gluttony. We need to apply spiritual fasting where possible. But for me personally, I find historical context enhances my faith. God bless the whole Relevant Radio family. Signed, David Crockett. Thank you, David. Um, King of the Wild Frontier. We're going we're gonna to try to answer this, this wild question. I, I think it's really intriguing. What did Jesus eat in a day? Well, I did, I did find a piece um, that was written at, uh, at Loyola Press, and uh, this was written by Jim Campbell. And he kind of investigated th- this question, how did people eat in the first century Jewish world, which is exactly, exactly the world that Jesus found himself in. And he says this, that essentially there was a great variety of foods available in the Holy Land at the time of Jesus. There are lots of different crops, and, and these are mentioned, by the way, in the Gospels, especially in the parables of Jesus. The crops of wheat, or the wheat and the tares, that parable, barley, olives, grapes, legumes, lentils, fava beans. I don't know if they were served with a nice Chianti, those fava beans, but I I digress. Chickpeas, vegetables such as onions, leeks, garlic. Life was also made sweeter with fruits like olives, grapes, date palms, apples, watermelon, pomegranates. Man, this is is pretty great. Uh, I'm getting hungry here. Figs, sycamores. Now, what are sycamores? Sycamores are actually kind of a, as he calls them, a low-quality fig eaten mainly by the poor. So there are different tiers of figs, I guess you could say. People also raised sheep, goats, cattle. There's fishing, obviously a huge industry. (laughs) The Zebedee brothers, of course, Zebedee and Sons Fishing Company, Peter, Andrew, they were all involved in fishing the Sea of Galilee. In terms of beverages, um, wine fermented from grapes. That, that was the main mainstay there. And apparently, this is this is what people ate for breakfast. They would simply have uh, a piece of bread and, and maybe a piece of fruit to go with it. Bread was baked every day. Ladies would, would, that was one of the main things they did every day was bake bread. And around lunchtime, midday, there would be a light lunch of bread, grain, olives, and figs. The main meal, there's really one main meal that was eaten at the end of the day. Very often it was a one-pot stew, so you kind of you've got the instant pot out there, you've got the crock pot. I love one-pot stews, don't you? It's kind of easy just to have everything in one bowl. 
And that's exactly what they did very often. And what they would use is their own bread to kind of eat the stew. The bread would be kind of like a spoon. And it could be kind of a thick porridge. And maybe this is the kind of stuff that that Esau really loved. And then, you know, uh, uh, the whole lovely story of Jacob and Esau tricking him out of his birthright for a mess of pottage, as it says. Yeah, maybe this is the, this is the good stuff. But at any rate... Um, Vegetables, lentils, chickpeas, spiced with herbs. Wow, this is just serving to, uh, this is not exactly assuaging my hunger. It's making me, whew. But uh, meat was pretty rare. Meat was pretty rare. It was more of a fish-based diet. And in fact, if you think about Magdala, Magdala, the name Magdala means fish tower. That's a big industry where Mary of Magdala was from. But you would serve meat very often when you had an important guest, and that's when you would sort of kill the fattened calf. They would keep calves, lambs, and stalls and, and kind of fatten them up so that when an important guest came by or a big feast, you could make it happen. And this is exactly what happens in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Hey, you killed the fatted calf for this guy? You he's just wasted your property? So meals are obviously a very, very holy time, a lot of great fellowship, intimacy at meals. People thanked God not only for the food that they ate, but understanding that God gave them the power uh, and the grace to be able to get out there and, and earn a living to, to provide for their families. Fellowship, not only with one another, but with God. And it was a big, big deal. Hospitality in the first century world was a really big deal. And this often centered around meals. The parables that Jesus tells really, really uh, bring this home. Inviting strangers and sojourners for meals was also crucial in the culture because they too the Jewish people were aliens and strangers in Egypt, and God provided for their needs, and they were expected to show that to other people as well, the widows, the orphans. And this is what God says, for remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 22. But maybe the best example of this, about how God can be found in the midst of a meal, is the account in Luke chapter 24 of the road to Emmaus. The risen Christ uh, walks alongside these downtrodden disciples. They have abandoned all hope. Christ has been crucified. They think he's dead. They think the mission is over. But of course, Jesus opens the scriptures to them, the world's greatest scripture study, by the word of God incarnate. And their hearts are on fire. And as it's getting dark, he says, he acts as if he's going to keep going. And they say, please stay with us. And they offer him hospitality and food. And at the meal, this is where Jesus breaks the bread. And in fact, the Eucharist takes place. And they realize it's Jesus. And then he is no longer there in his physical resurrected body. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus did ascend into heaven, because he doesn't want to distract us from his Eucharistic presence. So a meal is always very important to the people of God, especially that of the Eucharist. Thanks to James Campbell for, uh, for writing that piece on what Jesus would have eaten along with everybody else in the first century world in his time. How interesting. Always interesting to get a, an insight into his life and imagine it, and it can become more real to us. You can write your question to me at The Faith Explained, and here's how you do it. Faith at RelevantRadio.com, and you can find me on the X app at Kale Clark. Share the podcast with a friend. Like what you've just heard? Share it with your family and friends. And thanks for listening. 